It is so good to be back here again this evening. We made a decision to come down. It was quite spontaneous because some of you don't know this, but about 10 and a half years ago, 3CR was going through a transition at the time. And you guys as a church made a decision to send some leaders up there for a leaders meeting. And you sent a group of men and went up and Rory preached on Gideon's army. And that church needed to have some wind blown into their sails. And you guys, Glenridge, sent a group of people up there to go and do just that. And it just sparked my memory this week. And I thought, hey, man, you guys did it for us. And you've been doing it for so many churches, so many people through many, many years. We want to maybe just try and pay it back in a small way. And I also think, as Stan said, we have been on a very amazing faith journey. And uh, we've seen God come through for us in ways that's quite hard to explain. But as Stan did explain, the only way to explain it was because God was involved in it. It was, was not possible with us. But we came here as a faith statement. It's for you to see what God has done with us in the last four or five years as we've built. We want to say God can do it again. That's why we drove down to come and spend time with you, to blow wind into your sails, and to hold up your arms. Maybe we'll just leave a picture of being like an Aaron and a Her holding up your arms tonight as you embark on the most amazing adventure and faith project that God has for you guys. Thank you for receiving us so well. Bless you guys. I've been at Glenridge more in the last three or four weeks than I have in the last three or four years. It's such an amazing... Amazing privilege, Stan and Head. Thank you for having me. But about six or eight weeks ago, God really started just breathing faith into my heart for Glenridge. I've prayed for you every single day, from the day that I led here to the day that I left here, from the day that I've left here. I've prayed for you every day. But six or eight weeks ago, God started to speak to me about this church. And I started to feel faith rising up inside of my heart. I'm deeply embarrassed because this is probably going to be the shortest preach I've ever preached at Glenridge in my life. I am deeply embarrassed. But it's the thing that God spoke to me. And um, so that's all I'm going to share. On, on, on Sunday, I, I preached. We had a feast. You know, you know, all you have to do is get meat and the Dutchman come. That's <laughs> all you have to do. You just get meat. And if you're Afrikaans, God bless you. Come and join us in Pretoria. If you get meat... The Dutchies come. We had 1,000 kilograms of meat and 450 kilograms of salad. And when it was all over, there was salad left. That's it. <laughs> That's all. We, we, had, we had a 320 kilogram ox at the front door. And a lady said, what are you doing? I said, we're just getting Afrikaners into church. But... But we had, a, we had a guy, a Portuguese guy, who's never, ever been to our church, ever. But he heard about the feast, because we're doing a series on feasting, not fasting. Come and join us in Pretoria, it's easier. <laughs> All you guys who fast, I, it's just, uh, you're trying to twist God's arm. And Jesus has won the battle already. Just chow, bro, chow. He's won the battle, you don't have to do all that stuff. Old Testament nonsense. And Anyways, <laughs> anyway. So, so we're having this incredible feasting series. This Pora, because you know, we think the Afrikaners run Pretoria, but actually the Greeks and the Poras run it. This Portuguese oak, he puts plenty bucks in. He sends us 3,000 um, 
pita bread, puts money in. He's never been to our church. And we have this unbelievable feast together. I preached one of the simplest words I've ever, I read through the Bible. And Clint was leading the meeting. I handed the microphone. He said, hey, Raw, why don't you come back and pray for us or do something? And I did an altar call and 21 people got saved. I've, I've never, I've never seen 21 people get saved. The most people I've ever got saved was here when Ad Bosov from CRC Church came and he thought he was in Durban so he'd be trendy and he wore a surf shirt that was orange. He looked like a bonehead surfer. But, but he, he did an altar call and 50 people got saved. If you remember that, I don't know if you remember that. But I did this altar call and these 21 people came and I thought, all I did was be obedient to the scripture God gave me. And so that's all I'm going to do tonight, be obedient to the scripture that God gave me for, for Glenridge. Is that all? Is that cool? My daughter's bedroom is in this building. The day that, the Sunday that we opened this building was the week that my daughter was born. And we paid, as many of you have, I see the, just, I, I looked across the room tonight and I saw Vince and Liz Good. Is that their names? I married them 25 years ago. I don't know if they're here. Are they, they're, I just looked across and I thought Vince and Liz Good. So the name just like, well, I got Vince first, I got Liz a bit later. But, but there is a faithfulness inside of this room that is just absolutely remarkable. And, and, and when we were going into our second, well, our building project in Pretoria, I thought, it's incredible. I've served God for 30 years, but He's only ever made a demand on my finances three times. And two were here when we built, and then we extended, and one was up there when we built our new building. I thought, geez, in 30 years, He's only asked three times to make a sacrifice. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I just thought, gee, God, that is, you've been really kind to me. But then I realized when, when we were going through the project, I thought, gee, Lord, when my daughter was born, she came home to Mitchell's cot, no painted walls. We didn't have curtains. We didn't have security systems in our home because we were busy building this building. And we were happy to pay that price. And so to come into a prayer meeting, to feel the Spirit of God, to see some of your familiar faces, I actually just feel like taking my shoes off and saying, thank you, Jesus. This is a holy, beautiful, remarkable place. I can call you out by name for every one of you that have paid the price for a long period of time. And then I had this guy, uh, my son was sharing, as you know, the church goes, Mitch and Josh were together. Uh, they, they lived together. And then his beautiful girlfriend, who's now his wife, came up. And she met my daughter, and my daughter came down, and she met her brother. Because it all happens in the local. You leave the local church, they say you shoot yourself in the leg, you shoot your kids in the feet, and you shoot your grandkids in the heart. When you leave the local church. You shoot yourself in the leg, you shoot your kids in the foot, you shoot your grandkids in the heart. Because it's all linked together. So my daughter came down here, she met this guy called Joshua Everett Hall. He came up to my house, and I put a list on his bed. Number one, I don't like you. Number two, anything you do to my daughter, I will do to you. I said, if you stick your tongue in her ear, I will stick my tongue in your ear. <laughs> so he came out there looking a little bit pale. It's like, do you mean it or don't? I said, no, I mean every bit of it, bro. Seriously, you give her a hickey, I'll give you a hickey, bro. 
And he sat with me on my veranda and he said, Mr. Dyer, that's what he used to call me there, he calls me dad now. He said, Mr. Dyer, I promise you, I will never ever go into your daughter's bedroom until the day that I marry her. And instantly I thought of this building and I thought, I sowed my daughter's bedroom into Glenridge and I reaped a holy fiancé. And it was worth it. I've seen you all. I had the privilege of speaking at Bruce and Bev's wedding. I remember Bruce Jackson, when his daughter was sick, he used to walk up and down, up and down. He used to just pray. No breath of prayer or scent that you've ever given is ever in vain. And God is calling you to another season of sacrifice. It will be worth it. You'll give up your holidays. You'll give up your Woolworths. You'll give up the restaurants that you eat in. You'll give up the movies that you go to. And it'll only be about the second or third time maybe God will ever ask you to sacrifice. But it will be worth it. And you might only reap in 20 years' time. But if you reap somebody like Joshua at Everett Hall, the day that he got engaged, the next day he walked into my bedroom, he jumped into my bed, he hugged me and he said, Hey, Dad. I said, Not yet, China. You've got to marry her first. It's amazing to be here. Bucky's Boetas joined our church. That is a slab of meat, if you've ever seen one. He is the biggest human being you've ever seen in your life. He's big, he makes Jan look small. So, he phones me on Thursday, he calls me Kroon. I don't know what Kroon means. Kroon means crown, but it, he's not calling me crown. I think it's like crony in Afrikaans. He says, hello, Kroon. And I'm thinking, yes. Hello, hello, meneer. Hello, meneer. Hello, meneer. He says, he says, Rory. He said, yeah, Bucky's. He says, I want to start tithing in your church. I said, why? He said, because when I was 23 years old, he said, I was flying back from Australia. I had five springback caps. I thought I was on top of the world. I was injured. And I was despondent. And I was flying business class through the air. And a ray of sunlight came through the clouds. And it hit me on the shoulder. And God said to me, you must start serving me properly now. And he said, so I started tithing. And he said, I've won every single, he said, I'm not boasting. He said, I've won every single rugby trophy you can win. He said, I've won the Heineken Cup three times. I've won the Curry Cup seven times. I've won the European Cup three times. I've won the Super 15 three times. And I've won the World Cup. And he said, I put it down. He said, the way I played rugby, I should be in a wheelchair. And I put it down to the day that I started tithing. And I said, seriously? He said, seriously. So I said, I'd love you to start tithing in our church. <laughs> And if I ever get into trouble, do you mind coming and fighting with me? Because I irritate Dutchman big time at 3C. I don't know why I do it, but I do. I've just got a habit. But friends, God is with you. God is with you. I haven't been in a prayer meeting here for 12 years. The Spirit of God is here. Don't worry about what you're going to do with this building or... I thought I was being really clever when the church started growing, 3CR started growing, and we always used to have bring-in shares. And I thought we'll start blessing the church by 
preparing the meals like we did tonight. And about five weeks ago, one of our very, very, very committed members came to me and said, I'm leaving this church. I said, why? He said, because you're taking away some of the greatest building blocks that built this church. You're taking it away from us. I said, like what? He said, like food that you prepare for us to bless us. It's becoming an unblessing. I said, why? She said, no, this church was built on everybody brings their bit. I said, that's ridiculous. So they left. And the next deacon's meeting, I said, we're having a bring and share. Because I'm not too old to learn. I said to Mel, the food tasted better. Everybody was celebrating. Everybody was celebrating. And so sometimes God has to take things away from us and change things. And move things and shift things. And sometimes you've got to go away before you come back and appreciate it. Like Willie did. Yeah? And, and, and Vincent lives good. And, and, and me, when I came back 12 years later, to realize the Spirit of God is here. And the building block is sacrifice. The building block is we love one another. The building block is we come out on Thursday nights to pray. 40 years later. Amen? Anyway, it's nice to see you. I got a phone call from a pediatric surgeon in Cape Town this week to say, Rory, I sent my son to your church on Sunday. He's completely rebellious. He doesn't want to go to church. His mother sent him an SMS and he got saved on Sunday. I wonder how many people are going to get saved in the next season of your life at 3CI. At Glenridge. 3CI. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 32, please. I'll be, fi- I'll be finished by 8 o'clock. 10 minutes. You believe that? No. No. I have a bad reputation. Deuteronomy 30, let's go to Deuteronomy 31, the end. This is, this is how I come to you. This is the spirit in which I come to you. It says, And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching on Glenridge tonight fall like rain. And my words, Lord God, I pray over Stan and Heather, over the elders and the deacons tonight, over the future of Glenridge. I pray, Lord God, that they would descend like dew. They won't be my words, Lord God, they would come from heaven. They would descend like dew upon Glenridge, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as He. You can turn to chapter 33, please. And I want to just, um, I don't know if you know this building is designed in two ways. This part of the building is like the wings of an eagle. I don't know if you know that this building was designed in 24 hours by Peter Schwetzel. For those who have not been here for that long, Chris always said to us, we don't build buildings, we plant churches. And um, God told us to build this building. And I'm asking the question, was it right or was it wrong? 
because we've just done a building project and some of the people who come there come there to expect air conditioners and incredible bathrooms and we paid 91 million rand and most of us gave up everything for that. We gave away cars, we stopped our salaries, we stopped our bonuses, we never went on holiday and now there's a generation of people that just walk in there, turn the taps on and spill all over the bathrooms. They don't have a clue on the sacrifice we made for that building. And so sometimes I wonder if coming to this building actually stops us from being radical enough to serve God the way he wants us to. And even I asked this question, did, did, did I go against what God wanted when we built this building? Did we actually slow down what God wanted? Did he want us to stay in a house in Glenwood or a house that you're about to buy there and actually have a base where you meet together for meals and actually hire halls all over the city? Because now we've got this massive building that we have to look after and I have to make sure that the people who are joining that building with the expectation of an air conditioner that operates at exactly the right temperature don't stop me from doing what God wants me to do. So when we had the free feast of a thousand kgs of meat, the first person in the queue said, I can't believe I've had to wait this long. Now I've got to do church with him. And a lady came, six down, with Tupperwares to say, I've actually come with Tupperwares to put food in here so I can take it back to my children. I don't want to do church with people like that. But the thing that we built creates that kind of, invites those kind of people to come to church. And so you have to make sure as God starts to move you and God starts to transcend you, you're getting back to the very roots of which Glenridge ex existed for. It was built in a house. And inside of that house were meals. And it was Doug McDonald who put a dining room table on our stage and he said, we are created to eat together. Amen? And so don't get caught up with what the station does. It might take it away, it might not take it away, but I can tell you this, there's the mandate and the Spirit of God upon Glenridge Church. It's never changed. It's still here. I watched Jan. Jan is going through a very, him and his wife, his wife is a psychologist, he's a counselor, they're busy building a center, their money has run out, they need an intervention of God. I watched him through the prayer meeting, he just wept the whole time because the Spirit of God is here. Amen? And Chris Vinan stood up, so some of you know this, some of you don't know this, but I believe as, as a so Moses is, remember, Moses has been for 40 years, and this scripture comes when he starts to speak into the future of Israel. I've been involved with Glenridge for nearly 40 years, and I said to Stan, the thing that excites me is the future of Glenridge. The future of Glenridge. And, and when we have the 40-year celebration, and Chris Vinan's going to fly out, and Ryan Matthews is going to come back, and all the elders are going to come back, it's not a celebration of our history. It should be a marker to declare the future. And that's what I have faith for. So tonight I have faith to stand here and to declare a bright future over your lives. I have faith in my heart. It is not made up by an excitement or an expressive personality or a come and hype them up to build a building. No, I have a deep excitement in my heart because the Spirit of God is upon you. Bev, 23 years she waited. 23 years. She waited. I said this at Bruce's wedding. He's a beautiful man. 23 years some of you have waited. But this is the prophetic word that Chris Vinan gave. We were at Kersney College. He got up and he said, Glenridge, you are like Joseph. Remember it's that? He said, you are like Joseph. And he said, Joseph had five sets of clothes. 
He says, the first was a technicolor dream coat. And that has always been on Glenridge. You have always had the favor of God in your life. God gave this church a technicolor dream coat, an unfair advantage that people have become jealous of at times. And you had to go through the place where your brothers threw you into a well. We were at the bottom of the well with darkness when some of your brothers betrayed you because you've got a technicolor dream coat. But that technicolor dream coat never leaves. It is the promise of God, it's the prophecy of God, it's the creativity of God, it's the provision of God, it's the goodness of God, it's the kindness of God. It's the God who says we're going to plant churches and then Ashley Bell goes one way, Terry, um, Terry Fouché goes another way, Terry Kruger goes another way, Nigel Day-Lewis goes another way. And through this church, over 80 churches have been planted around the world because of a technicolor dream coat, because of the prophecy and the privilege of God over your lives. He preached that. In, he preached it. And friends, you have to understand that all the seasons that you've gone through, there is still a cloak, which I don't know why it's here. I don't understand. You, but the favor of God has always been on this church. When you walk into a prayer meeting, I saw my, this is my team. I don't know. This is the privilege of doing life with these guys. Get in the car. But I, when I looked at the prayer meeting tonight, I saw all five of them with their arms lifted up high. Presence of God is here. Why? I don't know. Why did the presence of God fall in Asbury? I don't know. But the presence of God has always been here. It's always been in this church. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And you must never take it for granted. God can do anything at any time through anybody in this church. The second thing Chris spoke about was the garment of a servant when Joseph had to go and serve in Potiphar's house. And actually, you end up serving another man's vision. I serve Chris's vision. We serve God's vision, but we serve another man. And then Stan used to go and prepare. He used to prepare in his house up the side alley, he used to, and he had to serve. You, you serve. And, you, and then God says, and now you must move on. Another guy's going to come. And, we, and we're always serving somebody else's vision. It's part of this house. We serve. I serve this church by giving my daughter's bedroom into this building. And there were times I thought, God, was it really worth it? I love Joshua Everett Hall like one of my own sons. I smell him. Every time he walks into my house, he hugs me. He puts his head into my neck. And I smell him like I smell my own son. It was worth serving this vision. It was worth serving and making this church rich. And now I've reaped this guy called Josh Everett Hall. Van Fierens, Jacksons, Whittles. It's worth it. Doug and Sheen, it's worth it. Menises, Johnny, Wilson, Robertson, Sharon. Fasakis, it's worth it. And you know, friends, when there was a moment where his wife tried to seduce him, Joseph ran away. This is a holy house. This is a house that's run away from many opportunities to buy into fame, to commit adultery with the enemy, to actually give up the prophetic unction. And you keep welcoming them in. They're all these down and outies here. You could have moved your building very quickly and said, let's build a nice middle class church. But you never did that. You've stayed holy. You've stayed true to the core. The third thing Chris spoke about, I'm preaching Chris's sermon now, just so that you'd be reminded. The third thing he spoke about 
was the clothes of a prisoner when Joseph went to jail. And there are times in your life where you'd be confined. And there are times that Glenridge has been confined. You couldn't do what you used to be able to do. There was a time when there were money was flowing and Elliot was on team and Dougie was on team and Ryan was on team and, I, and we were flying all over the nations and the money was flowing and we could bless people. NCMI was financed by Glenridge and by 3CI. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and, and, and you get confined. That's, that's not, oh, is it the devil? No, it's God. He has to, because you're Joseph. You're special. You've got a technical dream coat. And so God has to put you into a confinement for a season. You see, Jesus had to go into a womb for nine months before he could be born king of kings. And every time we get confined, your finances are about to come under confinement. Why? Because you're a member of Glenridge and you need to buy a building. And so you're going to get confined. And while you get confined, if you kick out, you have a premature birth. If you sit in that dark place, confined, you will eventually give birth to the king of kings. And you know what happens in jail? You, you, you interpret other people's dreams. That's what happens. Yeah. So, so, so you get confined and then you go, but, but you think, but what about me, Lord God? No, I've got you exactly where I want you, Glenridge, because God called you to be like Joseph. That's the leader who used to lead this church, who planted this church, who prophesied over us. I'm just reminding you. The fourth set of clothes, said he came out of jail. They shaved him. They washed him, they put a new garment on him, and the king said to me, can you interpret my dream? He said, I can't, but God can. And Glenridge, you're at a place where actually you can't do anything, but God can. You can't do squat. I'm the vine, you're the branches, without me you can do nothing. You see, when I was young, I thought I could do it, but the older I get, the more I realize I can't do anything. I can't get people saved, I can't raise money, I can't build buildings, I can't grow the church, but God can. And then finally, friends, he gets dressed up like the prime minister of the land. He gets a ring on his finger, becomes a 2RC in one day. And Chris Vinan said to us, hanging in the cupboard of Joseph is a technicolor dream coat, the coat of a servant, the coat of a prisoner, the coat of a prophet, and the coat of a president. And every day you must stand up, Glenridge Church, and ask God, what cloak should I put on today? Amen? This is what Moses says to Joseph. And all this, I'm going to read this, and I am going to finish. Verse, chapter 33 and verse 13, and I want to prophesy this over you, Glenridge Church. About Joseph, say about Joseph, about Glenridge, about picking up a prophetic word that was spoken to us at Kersney, about tapping into the 40 years of history that we've had together as a church and standing here as one of the men involved and declaring into your future, Stan and Heather, declaring into your future, Paul and Beth, declaring into your future. Where's Kutsai? See here? Don't worry, young lady. Don't worry. Don't be scared. I'll tell you about a lady in this church called Bev. I don't know how long you'll have to wait, but God will be faithful. Because I can tell you this, Bruce Jackson is an incredible man. And there's a man. Don't worry. Don't worry, Dorney. Don't worry. This is a safe place. This is a place where prophecies come true. Don't be scared. 
about Joseph, about Glenridge. He said, may the Lord bless his land. Stan, with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. Glenridge, you've accessed water from God for many years. I want to tell you there's water below you that you've never accessed. There are deep 40-year wells underneath you that you've never, ever touched. And in this time, you're going to drill through hard rock, through prayer, and you're going to hit water. And it's going to squirt. Some of you know the story, but we've got two brothers in our church, the Becker brothers. They live in Bubsontain. Bubsontain got its name from the Baptist fountain. There was a, a fountain that burst forth there, and revival came when Baptists, they got baptized in that water. And they now have a 5,000 square meter bottling plant. That depends on that water. And one day that water stopped flowing. And their mother said to them, you go and prophesy to that well. And they said they weren't, didn't know if they were more scared of God or their mother. <laughs> but they spoke to that well. And then the one guy who runs a bottling plant, he walked away. And Darby Becker's a big old like young. He grabbed him and said, come terug my mate. He pulled him back. He said, praat met die water. And he said, they talked to this. He says, hey, volgende oomblik hoor ons die water borrel. Say borrel. I want to prophesy borrel over, three, over Glenridge. I want to keep saying three over Glenridge. And the water bubbled and it shot out of the thing. And it never, ever ran dry. Glenridge, listen to me carefully. You have got wells underneath you that are going to be penetrated and they're going to borrel. With the best that the sun brings forth and the finest that the moon can yield. That means when you fast asleep at night, when you fast asleep at night, the moon is going to be having a yield over Glenridge's life. While you fast asleep. Friends, I don't know if you know this story. But we ran out of money, and then we got given 600,000 rand, and these clever guys here, we were all praying together. We needed to pay 8.2 million rand. And we had got 600,000, and we were praying together. I don't know if it was Eugene or Clint, but it was a Glenridge guy. I think it might have been Steve. Let's take the pressure off Glenridge. And they said, we must give the 600,000 rand away. It's going to hook us. And I'm thinking, 8.2 million rand. We must give the 600,000 rand away. And then we've got zero. And we owe 8.2 million rand within a, about 10 days. Clint said this to me. He said, Raw, I don't have any money left to give, but I've been offered to go on a bicycle ride. And he said, I've got strong legs. You know what, friends? Some of you have got money and some of you have got strong legs. And they went on a bicycle ride and SARS gave them permission for 19 guys to ride for education and one guy to ride for the kingdom of God. He rode for the kingdom of God, 1,250 k's. He trained for six weeks. He, he, he put his mind to it. His legs got strong. He rode 1,250 kilometers and he raised 2.1 million rand. What have you got? Say, God, all I've got is my legs. 
I've only got my legs, God. I've got my hands. I've got my voice. I've got prayer. I've got, it's all I've got, Lord. He just had his legs. Eugene just had a house. He said, Ro, what must I do? I gave my car away. Eugene said, I'll also give my car away. I said, don't do that. You'll walk for the rest of your life. So somebody gave him his house, said, I'm going to Belgium. You stay in my house for free. Rent your house and give it to the building project. God's always, he, he, he can work the finest, the best, the choicest, at night, in the daytime, however you. We gave the 600,000 rand away, and then a lady drove into our building in a polo golf with a mask on. She met Eugene. She said, in 1975, God told my dad to buy gold to give to a church that makes him happy. 1975. We're talking about 2020. 45 and a half years before, God told a man to buy gold to give to a church that makes him happy. And she said, I woke up this morning and God says, your church makes him happy. So he has six million rand of gold coins. And off she goes. He rides a bicycle race. She brings six million rand. We pay the 8.2 million and we go on holiday. It's easy, guys. <laughs> it's easy, man. I'm so pleased you going into an hours is finished. <laughs> Woo! Same God, eh? Same God. Just make him happy. If somebody's got gold, if somebody's got oil, if somebody's got a house, if somebody's got a car, if somebody's got something, but whether you're awake or you're sleeping, God's working over you, Glenridge, because you've got a technicolor dream coat on you. I say this about Joseph. I say this about Glenridge. This is what Chris Vinant, under the anointing of God, preached to us at Kersney many years ago. And I'm just coming here as an oracle to read this scripture over you. I'm nearly finished. With the best that the sun brings forth and the finest that the moon can yield, with the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Glenridge, you've always had that on you. It's called the unfair advantage of God. Let all these rest on the head of Glenridge, on the brow of the prince amongst his brothers. I'm an outsider. If a, if a leader stood up here and said, you're a prince amongst these brothers, it would sound incredibly arrogant. I'm an outsider. I'm coming and telling you, you are like a prince amongst your brothers. That's caused jealousy. That's caused slander. That's caused some of your brothers to betray you. But you are like a prince amongst your brothers. In majesty, he is like a firstborn bull. Say firstborn. You're a firstborn. You have all the privileges, all the rights, all the authority, all the... With them he will gore the nations, even those at the ends of the earth. Such are the ten thousands of Ephraim. Such are the thousands of Manasseh. Say ten thousands. Say ten thousands. Glenridge, you've got to stop thinking in thousands. You've got to start thinking in ten thousands. I want you to just repeat these words with me. Bless. Say bless. Precious. Deep. Best. Finest. Choicest. Fruitfulness. Best. Favor. Favor. Head. Firstborn. 
prince. 10,000. God bless you.